consume this goblet of fire, my friends. And welcome to Book Record Beer Season 7, Episode 7, last ep of the year. And I, Nick Malk, am here with my good friends once again. Please say hello, Daniel DeFranco. Hey, I'm on time. Wonderful. And in person. In person. This is wonderful. I imagine... Dear listener, you'll see a stark difference in sound quality from the previous cast to this one, even though my throat is struggling. And Franco Fiorini, say hello, please. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. Annual Christmas oh, yeah. cast guest. Annual Christmas this cast This is my favorite guest. cast. Oh, it's so much fun. It's the only reason I came out. I was going to just zoom in because yeah. I just I was like, I can't be bothered. Rough week for you coming up. It's raining mm-hmm. and I have to drive 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. Fuck off. But I was like, you know what? I got to see Franco. Modern convenience. And, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, yeah it's wonderful. I don't know. How often are we going to say how wonderful it is? I've said it zero times. <laughs> yeah. I think I must have. I've You've said it a number of times. On that. I've said it a number of times, which will piss off our dear listener. Um, because we said that. What are we doing today, gents? Well, it's a. It's a uh, a revisiting almost of a, of a previous guest. We're going Dickensian with a story that came out seven years previous to the well-known Christmas Carol from good old Charlie. Uh, this is the story of the goblins who stole a sexton, published 1936 with a few other stories. Uh, we are also... 1836. Oh, 1830s. Goddamn. Yeah, the yeah. Pickwick Papers. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, Posthumous release. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Yeah, so this is um, part of a, a, a dear collection. Uh, there's a bunch of short story uh, collections that are now at Barnes and Nobel, and this mm. happens to be one of them, and that's why I uh, came across it. Uh, Franco chose for us a stunning selection <laughs> in Christmas music. Stunning is a perfect word. 1967's. Jim Neighbors Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, actually, The original, I think the original is 1967. Am I incorrect? Or? No, no, no. I think that's that's exactly right. Um, the the version that I, that became near and not dear to me uh, was the 2002 <laughs> well, don't reveal too much. version. But okay. we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to play, like, a, did we figure out how much we can play? Like without like getting before, like people stop like unsubscribing to the podcast. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, I didn't even think of it that way. I was thinking more legally. I think so um, few people listen to this, right? That the the censors aren't the, even. The, the chances even, yeah. are so low. Yeah. Um, like it's not YouTube where they're just like skimming like constantly right. to make sure you're copyright infringement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. Even like the AI bots, they put our podcast on. Like, fuck this. No, that's no, enough. I, I don't. That's enough. <laughs> um, and our drinks are are varied. Um, I uh, I know you had one that you were like, this is a a great drink for for this time of year, right, Franco? You had a a, a drink that you were suggesting. Um, but shall we, shall we choose? I think I'm going to choose, <clears throat> excuse me, this as the mar- marquee drink, perhaps, because we've already had the delicious Shiner Holiday Cheer on the cast, which we're all drinking right now. I have made a um, peppermint espresso martini. Mm. Very simple. I took some chilled vodka, about one and a half, two parts. And I put an peppermint espresso in it. It's delicious, I gotta say. 
I'm enjoying it. Sounds delicious. Quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's what we're looking at there. Uh, and we have our Shiner. And Daniel. Yeah, this is the real. Presumably has provided some. Imagine if it's like stones. bubbles or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christmas gift. A Christmas gift. Wrapped up in a. I wish you could all see the wrapping. Yeah. Brown yeah. paper. Fantastic. <laughs> and uh, masking tape. You can hear and you'll, you'll kind of see why when we get into the story in, in, a, in a moment. Oh, what a brilliant man he is. A classic for oh, Nick. Yeah. I got Jameson triple distilled Irish whiskey mm-hmm. with a Bailey's mini. Did you get the same? Yeah, he went Catholic. Oh, so. wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Love yeah. It. That way you guys don't argue about your presence. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just some Italian boys doing some Irish things. That's what's happening right now. Listen, a little. Uh, Looks like this will be my drink of the evening. Christmas Ooh. break is coming up. A little Irish coffee. Oh, Keep yeah, you warm. Man. Cannot wait to start. When you're walking down Coffin Lane. Yep. Absolutely. Keep, keep the goblins at bay. So, yeah. gents, let's get into this. First and foremost, <laughs> if I were to introduce these fine young cannibals, gentlemen, gentlemen, uh, as <laughs> she um, does drive me crazy, though. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, if I were to introduce these gentlemen as the bad guys in a Christmas story, this is who I would introduce them as. Uh, please Franco. Tell, please tell me it's alliterative. You <laughs> will be introduced. This is this is who you would be. You would be in the Yogi Bear animated show. Their Christmas special. There was a mountain man who's just trying to fuck up the bears and his, you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. buddies. Uh, Christmas holiday, which is at a ski resort. So he's up there in the mountains. He's rolling gigantic yeah, fuck fucking boulders of snow down to, yeah. to, to fuck it all up. And uh, yeah, there, there's um, Snagglepuss is, is beside himself. It's hilarious. <laughs> and it's very interesting because he hates fun, right? So that was my initial thought was like, mm-hmm. he hates fun. So, yeah, so he would be Frank, Franco. Yeah, these, look at them partying in, in their Hawaiian shirts. Uh, and then I started, I look back at it, obviously, and I go, oh my God, this is an allusion to the mountain man from Jeremiah Johnson, <laughs> who ironically, and this is where a liter- the literary sort of thing comes into play, uh, ironically loves fun, so much so that he chases a grizz through his own cabin, through his own home at one point in that movie. I don't know how familiar you are with that sort of deep cut, but uh, uh, and very propaganda-y type film. But he is cracking up in the film, chasing a bear, which is a real bear in the movie, through his cabin and just dying laughing at this, like, obviously very fun but terrifying experience. Uh, and he has the famous line, Turn no grizz up there anyway. <laughs> and that is um, that that would be you, uh, Franco, wow. because uh, it just started getting further and further. And I was like, wow, I, I could see him chasing a grizz. I could see him hating fun and rolling boulders down at Snagglepuss. It'd just be a fit. Uh, Daniel, you are the well-intentioned aunt in the book by Berkeley breathed. The Red Ranger came calling. Uh, it's an homage to. Uh, eh, well, it's largely to his father because his father is is the Red Ranger in this. Uh, he's the little boy who, during the Depression, gets shipped off to live with various relatives because his parents can't uh, feed him or anything like that. So he's like never home, really. Uh, and his aunt lives on this uh, island off of Maine. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's very well-intentioned, but she's also exhausted and very clearly um, just had enough uh, at certain points. And there's one image that I want to show you um, that just absolutely screams... Um, Daniel's had enough. 
uh, and it's this one right here. Yeah, it's what we like to do on a podcast. This is this one right here. It's where Show her hands are. Her hands are uh, in her cheeks. She's looking the other way because this young man who's. Uh, pajamas she repurposed to make a Red Ranger outfit during the Depression. He doesn't uh, give a shit. He realizes um, that's what they are, and uh, he's complaining, and uh, and she's exhausted, and she's just had it. And I just thought that face was like, man, she's not really the bad guy. It doesn't go like, completely with it, but she uh, she dissuades him from his dreams a little bit. <laughs> and so I would call her kind of the bad guy. All right, I'm um, for it. But uh, had yeah, enough. the exhaustion, just the I'm <laughs> over it. Done. <laughs> I'm yeah. done. She's a fucking. I'm out. Uh, and that just that just conjured images. I'll take it. Um, so uh, this is tough. Um, introduce you as a bad, bad guy in a Christmas story. A bad guy from a Christmas story. Yeah. Oh, you're probably the okay. Uh, so help me, he had yellow teeth. The evilest of them all. Oh. Bob Cratchit oh. from a Christmas Carol. Why on earth do you choose Bobby? Uh, because every 25th of December, you like to pick your employer's pocket, uh, and you expect <laughs> him doing? to, uh, the whole day, have the whole day. <laughs> you want the whole day off. I think Daniel I'm looking hates, out for the little guy. Daniel hates yeah. fun more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Nicely done. I love it. I love it. Um, Awesome. So let's get let's get back in. So so it's tough. I don't know how you gents felt, and and I'll, I'll give a brief summary. But just keep in the back of your mind. Uh, this is probably gonna be the first thing I ask: is how tough was it to not think of a Christmas Carol while reading this story? Mm. Impossible. Impossible. Yeah. So uh, the story is is basically there is a um, grave digger sexton uh, named Gabriel Grubb who is getting ready to like sort of make some headway. He seems to be very organized and diligent. He's trying to make some headway on his grave that he has to finish by the next day. And he um, sees like we get introduced to him by him looking at a kid and the only things running through his head are like scarlet fever and whooping cough and like all this <laughs> shit that could kill him. Uh, and he's just like smiling with glee and like leaning on his shovel and thinking of all these ways for this kid to die. Um, and He's doing his work, and then as he looks around the tombstones, um, he notices uh, the King of the Goblins uh, and then a number of other goblins, uh, and then he's sort of sucked down into an alternate uh, world where he is uh, engaging with these creatures and, and, and getting his ass really uh, literally kicked quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, more so shoulders, I guess. But uh, uh, And then he's he's uh, he's learned a few things, and then... He, uh, he 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 finds himself back in the in the graveyard the following morning, uh, and that's the short and, and and skinny of it. I would say that's mm-hmm. that's the story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's some minor details in it. So number one, again, how hard was it to not continually make comparisons to the story that would come seven years later, uh, A Christmas Carol, his archetypal tale of Christmas? It's impossible. This is like the predecessor. Right. Yeah, this was Dickens's first Christmas story. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Uh, oh, I didn't. Know, yeah. yeah, I didn't realize. That. I looked up the the difference in the dates of seven years. Yeah. Now, yeah, this was like um from the Pickwick Papers. So this is like a story within the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and a vignette, if you will. A what? A vignette, if you will. I guess if that's what you want to call that, sure. I usually do. Yeah. I don't know if it's always accurate. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> so uh, Dickens uh. Was was a was a Christmas man. He just loved Christmas, mm-hmm. and it's it's nice to see 
how he uh, early on when Dickens was born in 1812. This is 1836. So what was he? 24. 24. 24 year old young chap. Yeah. Just already chapping around, starting out. Hey, I want to spread that Christmas cheer. Or alternatively, I want to make some money off that Christmas cheer. Sees it as a as an opportunity, which we've talked about a little bit and gone back and forth on. Well, he, he you land bills, on. I mean, yeah. He certainly yeah. did for uh, Christmas Carol. Absolutely. Yeah, he saw it as the as the. But this was yeah. a, this was a story in the mm-hmm. Pickwick Papers. This yeah. wasn't like published as here's my little Christmas story from Chucky e. D. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. This, this is not. This, I'm not cash cowing this one. This is just it happens to be in here. Um, and it's funny too because I did not see anything. Regarding any sort of, um, you know, uh, a claim or, or uh, fandom for this particular story that would have then inspired him to go, this is mm-hmm. this is my path is my cash cow. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So that was interesting to me. Um, I, I don't know, Franco. What were your uh, initial th- thoughts on? It? Obviously, I th- we've all agreed you couldn't help but think of a Christmas Carol. Obviously, yeah. It, I mean, it definitely. That's why I looked up as I was reading it, and I, I've read this story before, but it's been a while. Um, and as I was rereading it, I, I thought, you know, I better do a little bit of background and see like where this fell in terms of, you know, the time timeline there. Um, so yeah, it felt like a draft a little bit of, and I'm not saying that, you know, it, it, it I'm not weighing in on literary merit and, and, and necessarily, mm-hmm. but, um, I feel like he was working some things out like, yeah. Uh, so, uh, first of all, I, I can't remember, are we, we're allowed to curse on this. Yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah. I mean like. What was striking me, he, he like fucked up a little kid, like you know, yeah. like uh, not not Dickens. I ho- I don't know what he did to little kids, um, Gabriel but uh, but Gabriel Grubb, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I mean, he he wrapped him about about the head by the kid with was a lantern, singing. but I mean, he's yeah. just singing. I mean, kids are annoying, but um, but you know, like lantern, like that had to be like a wrought iron, like pained glass. It was not like, an IKEA. Like a, lantern. No, 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 like and he struck the like he like fucked that kid up. You gotta so, get you gotta get your point across. And then, you know, to your point, he's watching these kids run around and have fun. He's like, I hope they all fucking get cholera. You know, I hope yeah. they all fucking, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever disease <laughs> of the day, the plague. There was a list. Um, Scarlet fever. There was a was list. There, it I really think, was. Yeah. Like Dickens was, he was comprehensive. He's like, these are all the communicable diseases that these kids <laughs> could possibly get. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that was a draft for Scrooge because, mm-hmm. you know, like, like Scrooge wasn't violent physically like that. He more took like the, the ultra capitalist, like, you know, like put them all in workhouses thing right? yeah yeah you know yeah i mean he he was like all right i gotta back off of like murdering kids through through violence and and you know disease we'll just imprison them and and, and, yeah. and that, that's yeah. where we'll go now like Mark we'll, you yours, know. Yeah. um so yeah so definitely i mean you couldn't clearly the you know um the 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 premise right yeah. of this story was like right on line with, with a christmas carol but i feel like it was like you know it was a little more brutal <laughs> So that brought up something that came came to mind for me was we have a working class dude who is the Scrooge here, mm. and it's much yeah, easier to hate Scrooge if the hierarchy is in place in the story. Yeah, and he that's why I think that. one of the major changes is that our bad guy. That's why I did the bad guys yeah. too because I was just thinking about bad guys this whole time because Gabriel Grubb, he is our as you said our Scrooge in this. You can't really have one of your own being the bad guy yeah. if you're going to make it that grand of a thing you know where you where you yeah. where, where you're drawing a line the sand you're kind of taking sides um so i thought that was certainly something that when he revisited telling this tale i think better yeah <laughs> later on obviously um well that, well, the bad that guys, was a big thing the bad guy's the gin in this one right in like 
the Christmas carol, in a Christmas carol, like the bad guy is like, you know, um, greed, the greed, and power, and yeah, capitalism, and yeah, all that. Sort of like Sorry, yeah, Daniel, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that abstract. Yeah, there's a lot of abstract concepts that end up being being the bad guy. But if you were to personify it, that's that's you know he's personifying all those things as Scrooge when we when we first meet him. Yeah, I, I, I think you know certainly a lot of parallels. There's like the temperance yeah. idea in mm-hmm. both of them. They both of these end with, I mean, like Scrooge doesn't drink. Yeah. And this guy, he's drinking, and then he's like, no, I won't do that again. Yeah. Um, yep, he swears so, off. So yeah. uh, there is... Uh, well, I think that also he's thinking that that there's... We are left with the ambiguity ambiguity of, were these goblins that suck me down into this place? Yeah. Were, 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 were they influenced by this this yeah, green the, alcohol that I'm, I'm drinking? Yeah. This sent me on a, a, a bit of a dive into goblins in Victorian literature. Same. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it was just it was just a trope. Like they actually believed in goblins, um, and uh, there well, would be a goblin court was like a, yeah, uh, I guess a, a traditional thing, and a goblin court would try humans for legitimate or fictional offenses against goblins or humanity. Yeah. So Dickens, like he tapped into that, but it mm-hmm. also was part of his own, um, I guess, personal uh, treatise. I guess you know. Let me sure. use my art to show how rich people or you know how society treats the poor and the people that are in need uh um badly yeah um let me let me quote from christmas carol because <clears throat> i think it's this is why i think uh charles dickens is is writing these stories around christmas time um i've always thought this is fred from a christmas carol i've always thought of christmas time when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they were fellow passengers to the grave mm-hmm. and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. Mm. Yeah. So he's using this, this Christmas time that we're all equal. And if we can see each other as actual uh, humans at it, like we're all going to die, we're all going to end up in the same place. Yeah. Then maybe you'd have more compassion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, to the yeah, Scrooge yeah. point, that's, that sort of touches on this. Um, I was read. I, I wish I could quote it, uh, correctly but i won't this is not my thought this is someone else's on the internet um the change from gabriel grubb of being like a grave digger just kind of a common day just workman yeah to having scrooge who was a powerful man of influence money lender is that if you were uh if you had the capacity to do greater harm then you have the capacity to do greater good yeah so it's more of a more impactful i guess social commentary on that yeah yeah that's a great point uh, I would you know, obviously agree. Um, I do find it really, really interesting. <clears throat> As you said, when you go down these these sort of like rabbit holes of goblins and stuff, goblins are so beyond um, the labyrinth, kind of mm-hmm. like far, foreign to me. Uh, whereas I, I only engage with them like I think that there were goblins in David the Gnome and that show. Um, and they've always been. A ugly and B like very malicious. It felt mm-hmm. like, and when I looked it up, it was like, yeah, they are not a trickster character. They're not the archetypal trickster character, which has sort of that element to them that's um, a, a, a lot more. I don't know, like almost like thoughtful, not kind, obviously, but 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 that you can bring them around, right? Mm-hmm. But goblins traditionally were violent and malicious and like meant to hurt, and they really didn't care. Um, and that was really interesting to me because I'm like thinking about how this went down and the goblin court, when they take grub down into the court, um, 
they immediately give him like the fire elixir, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then he's not even in like a court where he's where he's being judged so much as like his thoughts are being seen through to their actual end, and he's getting to experience mm-hmm. what it would be like for an infant sibling to die in your arms or something like that and and they're giving him like all these very real experiences a la the ghost of christmas press present and future um it felt like so to franco's point of like a draft but that to me didn't line up with what i came to know a goblin to be which i don't know did we uh i i just put that out there as like is that a is that a a choice that makes it feel like this is like a draft like franco said or is it uh Maybe he's 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 alluding to something else. Like even a goblin could. No, I th- I, th- I don't think I th- I'm gonna resist that it's a draft because it, it came seven years later. I think this he he wrote this. Yeah. And these are de- these. It's its own thing. Yeah. He didn't write this thinking that man, I can't wait to really write this again right, later. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with that fully. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly an inspiration, you know, this is a little throwaway thing, you know, it's like who read my thing from seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And if you know the story of Christmas Carol, he wrote and published the, the whole thing within like six weeks or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why not use this art? The, the structure's already there. People already like ghost stories around Christmas. Yeah. Goblins were, he didn't use goblins in a Christmas Carol, though. It's interesting, but there are plenty of ghosts. And I think it's interest, uh, uh, kind of cool to think of, um, uh, the woman from Taxi's character in Scrooged mm-hmm. with Bill Murray, who <laughs> violently strikes him over and over again. And that, I don't know if it's there's gotta any be a nod, of, right? It feels like it now that I'm thinking, yeah. like literally right now that I'm thinking about I it. I never it read like it might um, be. The Chimes, which is also a goblin story. Yeah, neither have I. And the, the fourth one that he wrote was, I forget, uh, The Cricket on the Hearth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't read that one either. This and and uh, Carol are the only ones yeah. I've read. My understanding, Chimes is like dead serious. Oh yeah, it's like a scathing, uh, just like almost social commentary. Like it mm. reads like criticism. So it's interesting. This story is the only story in this little collection that they're you know selling um, at the Barnes and Noble. It's just called Christmas with Charles Dickens, and mm-hmm. it's got a shovel and then like a. Um, picture of the mug that the that grub was drinking yeah, out of wicker, yeah. and and the what is that weave wicker the wicker wicker, wicker weave, yeah the yeah, wicker weave uh, mm-hmm. for the thing and then there's two essays um that follow it and the essays are um obviously about christmas one's entitled a christmas dinner and the other is what christmas is as we grow older and a christmas dinner focuses on the family kind of sh- having shunned this niece for the whole year this cousin this niece you know whatever uh, not immediate relative um because she chose to marry a poor man and then by the end and then it kind of walks you through like he can't help but do narrative and so he kind of walks you through the 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 dinner and then everybody comes around to the new husband because he's just a sweetheart he's like a kind nice good person uh and and had it his argument seems to be had it not been for Christmas forcing them to remove those sort of walls and expectations and, and, and mores that they put up um, and drop them to just be welcoming, they would have never gotten the chance to know this really wonderful person. Uh, and, and, and it would have carried on like that. And who knows how much life uh, they would have missed or, or, you know, if they had children or whatever else mm-hmm. like that. So I think he's alluding to that and that one, um, which was which was interesting because um, that seems to also be the thing that carries through all Dickens that I've read Christmas stories is 
how much life you'd be missing out on if you don't adjust your perspectives now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and how much of it is coming from outside of your own experience and mind that it's, it's societal mores and norms that, that you're just like continuing to use as your own expectations mm-hmm. for the world um, and how you see it. And uh, yeah, I think in this one, I don't know. I, I, I guess temperance, we could leave it at that. I was thinking about, and I wanted to bring up like, the use of the fire elixir and what what he might have been because that you know that's a thing um and also the goblin king is very interesting to me because obviously with uh bowie's character in labyrinth is is sort of a outlier for goblin kings because he's not a goblin he's just bored yeah. <laughs> uh, and so he 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 sort of like takes on these idiots um, who he obviously views as idiots, uh, just to command them to do stuff. Just he's he's like a very much a mischievous um, trickster character, yeah. which goblins again, as I look through it, were traditionally not. So, um, but they they mimicked their goblin king. Yes. So whatever he did, they were sort of yeah. yeah like if you went like if the goblin king went uh, to the capital. <laughs> on like, I don't know, like early January, like all the other goblins oh, go as well. Nicely done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I just, um, I wonder, uh, really, like how much power we uh, we see the Goblin King as having and what his kind of aim was. I don't know. That that was really my thing was I was thinking about it. What's like, his aim? What the fuck was his I aim? I think just to write, to show people the way. The Goblin King wanted to show people the way. Yeah. Doesn't that seem like well, almost so, altruistic? Yeah, well, because th- I'll, I'll, I'll repeat my quote from earlier. <laughs> the Goblin Court tries humans for right, legitimate right, right. or yeah, fictional yeah, yeah, offenses against mm-hmm. goblins or humanity that's how goblins were used in the victorian so, literature yeah so is is grub offending goblins because it He's feels like they humanity would, right so it feels like he would they would selfishly put offenses to goblins over offenses to humans when i think of goblins yeah you know but but in this case over humanity over humanity because he's such a dick to little kids and and we know dickens hates that because he was a child laborer yeah abuses a child absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah okay yeah Sorted. <laughs> let me let me read this quote from this um uh, website I found, uh, restorationchristianculture.org. Um, it's a real. It's website. gonna be awesome. Please, please yeah. do. Yeah. It's actually a, a really good article. It's written by uh, Sean Fitzpatrick, uh, December twenty third, twenty twenty. Originally appeared in Crisis Magazine, which is I'm sure that's a hoot. Um, this is how in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is how this this essay ends. Um, there are mysteries that subsist in the mystery of the word made flesh. And some of them are goblins. Okay. Very interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, therefore, keeping Christmas well should include keeping things strange and wonderful well. Things such as elves, fairies, ghosts, and goblins. Things that combine heaven with earth in a reenactment of that time when heavenly nature took on earthly nature mm. yeah it feels like a, a, a an analog to that is like a justification for the easter bunny at easter kind of yeah <laughs> like, yeah. yeah it's the it's the embodiment of whatever this 
thing is, you know, whatever mm. ideal or, yeah. or figure or spirit the of bridging, the time or whatever. But the bridging of the worlds is, is a really big thing, too. Yeah. And Dickens was like, fascinating, he yeah. was, was he religious? I don't know much about his his Ooh, faith, but. Idea. I don't know that I ever came across it, so it doesn't seem like it was. I mean, they were all. Yeah. But I, not that I was, but you know, he doing research. He definitely saw the value in Christmas, mm-hmm. and he definitely, uh wanted better for humanity if he was not a religious man he was doing his heart was in whatever like the pure christian heart should be yeah yeah it was something of i i don't i have no idea what dickens you know religious affiliations or like inclinations were um but like the way we're talking about him the way we're casting him the way we're thinking about him in terms of his literature is almost like he was some kind of a like secular humanist or like something like you know like yeah you know that he kind of like, like an H.G. Wells type character almost. Yeah, he believed Although that he like atheist, he believed that you know like we should be looking for what is good in humanity and what is like going to get us to like a place where mm-hmm. we're you know invested in ridding the world of like these ills that are you know plaguing it. I guess in some sense, maybe I, I don't know. It's, Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly, and it does kind of carry like just the time period in which, sort of like, Wells dies, or, or I'm sorry, Dickens dies, and sort of Wells almost like immediately picks that up a little bit and takes the sort of science fiction. What's H.G. Wells? What's his time frame? <sighs> he uh, he was born I th- maybe a decade or two after well, Dickens me. dies. You I gave think. me you gave me the Wi-Fi. Let me look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know off the top of my head. Eighteen sixty-six. Yeah, he was a uh, yeah. a contemporary. Dickens died in eighteen seventy. There you go. I mean, <laughs> four-year-old contemporary. Um, <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Uh, but yeah, no. But he was he was another one who. But that's Victorian though. Victorian era didn't end yeah. until nineteen fourteen or something. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And and but I think of it because he he does see it. he's a socialist. Uh, he, 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 he carries on a lot of these ideas that like humanity should be tasked with fixing themselves and that we shouldn't be looking elsewhere. And he just constantly was of the mind of like, okay, we got this far. How can we get to here? Uh, and what comes next? What comes next? What comes next? And it seems like Dickens was not stuck in, in sort of the present, his, all, all of his stuff constantly is going to a dreamed future and our imagined future mm-hmm. um, that if, from making these changes or doing X or Y, we're going to we'll see ourselves there. And this is how easy it is. And he presents it in a really manageable and, and achievable way. Um, and I think what Wells does is goes sort of real hard from that a little bit like he, he, he leaves reality, but to sort of say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is really interesting. I mean, you you think about uh, what is it, the time machine, where you have the wayfish figures just like lounging and enjoying life up up, up top because all of the people underground, uh, uh, I forget what the names of the races are, but they're they're all blind like moles and just working their asses off as as mm-hmm. the working class. I mean, the allegory remains the same, um, and and so it's it's interesting to see that yeah he kind of carries the torch and just takes it in this in this new way, but. Um, his message, you know, makes it makes it through, and it's it's kind of fascinating because I've been doing satire, a unit of satire currently, and I started really digging into has it ever been ha, how successful is satire in actually enacting change? Like if we're engaging with this, right? Because it's meant to be good satire is corrective, right? And and if we're engaging in this, does it actually? enact the change and it's so funny to see like real hardcore research studies go 
change actually, we're not seeing as much change, but we're seeing change in the way people think. And so maybe it's a long game, like satire is a long game and, and, and literature might be a long game yeah. in, in, in acting and creating the change. Um, and that's kind of an interesting thing to me because when we look at what the goblins do, they're literally beating this into him. And physical violence is not a long game. <laughs> physical violence is a very short game approach. Um, so I wonder if there's any commentary uh, or, yeah. or, or, or sort of like, I don't know, if, the, if that was thought about at all by, by our authors. Dickens, in both this and A Christmas Carol, it's like, <clears throat> it's a cute trauma, <laughs> right? It's like, change your ways, like, yeah, yeah. Like physical and then just like, this don't emotion. show me anymore, I can't. Yeah, yeah, I just can't. Yeah, it really is. It's 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 over the top. Mm -hmm. Like like um, you you're gonna have PTSD from any of these experiences, yeah. whether it be the goblins or the ghosts. You're gonna have you're 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 fucked up. Well, the grave digger, uh, Gabriel Grubb, he comes back like ten years later, because he just disappears, and they're like, right. "Where the fuck did he go?" Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they yeah, make yeah. up stories. Yep. And he comes back. He's like, "No, this is actually what happened." Yeah, guys. I was down there. I got fucked up by goblins. My shoulders are so like you got fucked up by gin, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they don't, they're like, ah, we kind of like our story that we made up better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Like that not a lot of people go along with it. Yeah. He's definitely traumatized. Do we think that that might indicate that the message is um, it, that we have to have all of these singular individual experiences for the whole to be affected? Well, well, I guess I'm not going to answer that question. I wasn't thinking about answering that question. Um, Take it somewhere else. That's fine. But but we'll maybe this, maybe there. this is tangential <laughs> to that. So I was thinking a lot about like the role that women play in both of these tales. We're talking about a Christmas Carol, and we're talking about you know this one. Um, so women play a the very goblins who stole a sexton. The goblins who yeah. stole a sexton. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is a long title. Yeah. So um, women play. In this in this story in particular, a very like you know small role, but but there are mentions. So when the the when he's viewing the death of the the infant, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, it's the first thing he's shown by the the goblins. first thing he's shown, right? Like, uh, sick infant, not like unto themselves. Dickens talks about the passage of time between the death of the infant and then like the older the the mother and father aging and mm -hmm. like the rest of the family is you know has been half killed off over the years by whatever war and plague mm -hmm. and, and whatnot yeah and he talks about the um relationship between the mother and father and he says the father and mother were old and helpless now and the number of those about them was diminished more than half uh but content and cheerfulness sat on every face and beamed in every eye as they crowded on the fireside right and um, then he talks about the father, and he says, slowly the father, uh, slowly and peacefully, the father sank into the grave, and soon after, the sharer of all his cares and troubles followed him. Yeah. Which is interesting, was, was an interesting phrase to me because uh, it's thinking about maybe the role of the mother in that relationship. And then he goes on about a page later to talk about, like, to cast women in kind of an interesting, well, challenging way. <laughs> so Dickensian Gabriel Grubb si says he saw that women, the tenderest and most fragile of all God's, 
creatures were the oftenest superior to sorrow, adversity, and distress. Mm. He yeah. saw that yeah. it was because they bore in their own hearts an inexhaustible wellspring of affection and devotedness. Above, above all, he saw that men like himself who would snarl at the mirth and cheer cheerfulness of others were the foulest weeds on the fair surface of the earth, which is kind of a nice metaphor. But, <laughs> um, well, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm thinking about the Christmas Carol, too. I mean, in a lot of ways, Fan in the Christmas Carol and, you know, Bob Cratchit's wife, who really is the person who challenges Scrooge, not directly to his face, but also directly to his face. Because yeah. Scrooge, Scrooge views her, you know, kind of monologue, right, mm -hmm. around, like, well, I hope that he gets buried with, with a stake of holly in his heart or mm -hmm. whatever, right? Um that that was just kind of like something was something that kind of persisted for me across this and i know i i uh, to your to both of your points like i wrongly cast this as a draft of the christmas carol um that's obviously not true it, or we don't know that that's true but it doesn't make sense in terms of like i don't think he was trying to like work through something that he was like this is going to be my magnum opus so i'm going to do this thing but yeah what I meant by that and, and is more that I think that he was, you know, in this story working through some ideas about, like, you know, what the season means in terms of injustice and cruelty and all of the social ills that Dickens is always has been invested in and all and meant most of his work in addressing. Mm. Yeah. And I see that again with this little moment about women. In the, in the the story and i don't know if this is true or not but i wonder whether like that also is an indication of something that he then was working into you know in a larger sense when he went and, and wrote the christmas uh, a christmas carol because i think that something that you know we get we get like um wrapped up in a christmas carol let's say by the ghosts like they are such a present figure in that and um you know marley and cratchit and those folks and i think not maybe uh, other than people who are doing you know feminist literary analysis and things like that I, I feel like traditionally the women in that in those in that story maybe don't um receive as much of a uh nod critically in, in thinking about what's what what dickens was doing as maybe they might and uh, you know I don't, I don't have any research on how dickens you know like what his how what his life or experiences or thoughts on the role of women in society or, or well, he was, or a, are, he was a dick to his wife i'm pretty sure oh well yeah. great so i think then, he was like an ab abusive too i wonder right he married her and then after she had kids she just had a, a, a body of of a woman that you know just had to have like six kids and whatever like three years yeah, whatever it was span of time that was nuts yeah, yeah. and now he got mm. from some fame so he's, he had a little wandering eye and he yeah 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 he was well, like he was like not 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 really not really super nice oh, yeah. but well, but then, to, to that your kind of derails my but well, I, no, but, no, I, but no, I don't think so i don't think so because when you're when you were speaking about that it really made me because that line stuck out to me too particularly because there was a, a day after i had read it this week i forget this week, past week where uh, uh, my son Gabriel stole, uh, uh, snagged Jill's phone and was running away like with glee, you know, like, ah, and then slipped and <laughs> fucked himself up, right? And I was like, "That's what you get," just as a, as a mm -hmm. knee jerk response, like that's what you get. And her reaction was the complete opposite, right? And it was very much, um, 
don't say that to him because that's not nice one but also that's not what you get like that's not that's not the, this isn't a karmic sort of retribution right here this is this is this is you know a, a, a child whatever and it goes on and on but to to this idea that i think dickens you made me think that dickens seems to be circling the idea of why is it that we're able to be this way but it can only be temporal why can't mm-hmm. we be this way all the time? You know what I mean? Like the the the, the season is enabled uh, enabling us to 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 be almost uh, better versions, best versions of ourselves to one another. And and why is it that we don't see that all the time? And then this nod that we get in in Grub seems to be, or from in the Grub story seems to be, maybe it's because our perspective is not uh, aligned throughout the year, like perhaps the wife's is right. And, and she's the one who, who, who is, who is looking at it this way, um, more consistently consistently, or or more constantly. And, 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 and the, and, and maybe it's because we surround ourselves with men that we don't have this, this, this perspective. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and that we, we find we're able to do it because society dictates that we do it at this part of the year, this time of the year, maybe we're more robotic than we, than we, than we may Mm -hmm. see ourselves as. And we're, we're more, um, uh, uh, in, in, involved in the machinations of society and we're 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 cogs more than they are because they're able to operate outside of it and they're seeing humanity for what it is with that outside perspective i don't know if i'm articulating that well but that's what your analysis kind of kind of brought up to me and i was like oh wow because that really did stick out to me because i remember being like shit like i didn't even think about what i said and you saw all of it because you're outside Mm -hmm. of the interaction of father and son in, in, in a way that was the same as my father and me, you know what I mean? And probably, the, and it goes back and back and back and back and back. Um, and, and I bet every Malik boy has been told that's what you get. You know what I mean? Just like you guys were probably told that's what you get. And that's, that doesn't make much sense. You know what I mean? Um, and so that just came to mind. But also it's what you get. It's kind of what you get. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah and I, I, you know, I mean, listen, it, you know, <laughs> I am not saying there's not a nugget of truth in there yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hope that that's what you get when you act. It's really what you're saying. It's there's glee because you hope when people act right, um, you hope wrongly that, so that there right. is. Right. Yeah. There's, yeah. That there are consequences. Yeah, that they're not just going to get away. with Yeah, because no, the, the truth is like no, that's not what you get. Mm-hmm. It's what we hope you get, and when you. No, we. I mean, we're watching a, a an ex president. You know, like you know, completely like. Hopefully that's what you get, and and probably and and most likely will not. You know what I mean? So right. it's, <laughs> if, if there's any evidence of the fact that you know evil does not beget justice, yeah, <laughs> like right. here we are. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, back to back to uh, Dickens though. Well, here. maybe that's the yeah, point sorry. though. Sorry, but that maybe that's the point though. Is these minor infractions? Yeah, th- yeah, that's what you get. But the actual evil never gets that. Which they get. never gets yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, you stub yeah. your toe because whatever, but you don't. Right. Yeah. You exactly. Still, you get to keep your foot. Succinct. Um, Got it. Um, Dickens, uh, Scrooge. Uh, Scrooge kept Christmas in his heart. Yes. For the rest of his days, something like that, right? Sure. Um, it grew three. So sides it's not a temporal years. change. Oh right. So he evolved from that. But this is his. This is his hopeful wish yeah. for a utopian, not utopian, but a a a, a, a just world, a just world, a, a dreamed world. Uh, um, you yeah, know, get another theme, right? In yeah. the story, in that, right? I mean. If we're to believe Gabriel Gabriel Grubb, according to the story, was was also you know takes ten years for him to get there. It takes ten years for him to come back, right? To to die, but 
No, no, yeah, to, yeah. To Daniel's point, I mean, from what I'm reading, like he was reformed in that moment. In that, in that yeah, and he goes, evening, yeah. and mm-hmm. he just doesn't, and he left because he was like, no one's going to believe that yeah, I yeah, can yeah. be, I can't be good to these people. They'll never believe it. Yeah, and out I've been of, such out a shithead for this yeah. Yeah. to yeah. some extent, extent too. I'd have to look the line, it did but feel it, like it that felt like it was, it was part of almost the 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 the, the exile, the self exile, mm. right? Self imposed. Ooh, Oedipal in a way was a little bit more. Jeez. Uh, we can go there, I guess. Uh, was a bit of shame, uh, informed by shame. He just goes away and starts banging his mom for ten years. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The, I, I, the story would be in reverse then. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, better better folks than me or, or maybe any uh, you know that de- definitely any of us me, could, say, do, say could, do, could do could do a, could do a really like well fine grain uh, really fine grained psychological you know critical analysis of. 300 grip polish what dickens was doing around to my point about around women i mean if we think about the fact that oh well in his life he was he i don't, I don't know if he was a womanizer if he was you know, whatever ways in which he was interacting he was. with emotional you know, damage um that doesn't mean that folks who are going through or who are trying to work through the things that you know even if they're looking at themselves and i think dickens probably i would imagine that he was probably introspective around even his own oh, life and what he was doing. I don't think he can be a writer and not be. Yeah, he had to have right. been, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's beyond the pale to imagine that he would, you know, in his work work through that even mm. if in his in re, in his life he resisted yeah doing those things. Yeah. Yeah, almost as if he like sort of um felt that he had freed himself of whatever guilt or shame that you're, you're saying he, he he might have felt by having a character or having that revelation occur through a character in the narrative, yeah. and then and then it's and then it's out it's it's uh, it's off his mind because now it exists in this and I did it and you didn't obviously but yeah. <laughs> kind of did you know he did divorce his wife um, I forget if it was amicable or if he like took care of her if it was sort of like a fuck you it's funny because what I've read. And watching the man who invented Christmas have fucked up my whole idea of it, who he is. That movie is such propaganda. It's such so not right. Yeah. yeah, there's mm-hmm. so much wrong with that movie. And then when I looked it up, I like it was tough to reconcile like these yeah. images that are now burned into my head versus well, what, yeah. what I now know. This to is be where true. you need like a scholarly deep yeah. dive into what were the legal. Well, what were the legal matters? You know, like like how did he leave? What were the circumstances under which he left his wife financially? Let's say in terms right. of like property and things like that mm. I, I would be willing to bet um, I'm, maybe i'm wrong but but it didn't work out well for her <laughs> yeah given, given the way that society was structured and continues to be structured around yeah it's like the lord chesterfield sort of, letters you know. right uh he in a letter dickens wrote uh we must come off for a payment of 600 a year including everything this will keep her uh brougham quite as well as she has ever I don't know what that word is, uh, <laughs> household she life wrote out. Whatever, yeah, uh, she has ever had it kept, and will do all she wants. I am sure. The couple legally separated within days of Dickens writing the letter. Seems like she told the I don't know. Mm. Oh, that's a different person. So um, a, bro- a brougham is a horse-drawn carriage with a roof, four wheels, and yeah. an open driver's seat. Uh, front. She gets so the car. She got the car. She got the car. She got the car. She got the car. <laughs> What's but what, you know what it's like to keep was, a horse? That's expensive. What was 600 yeah. pounds a year? Let's see what that oh, that's is. That has to be a significant amount of money be, in the yeah. 19th century. Oh, like 18, 19th century. what year is this? Let's say 50. 50. Sure. 
of 500 pounds was $65,000. Okay. Like yeah. that's you could do nothing that. to sneeze at. Nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. All right. I so, mean, uh, he, he, you got the car in 65. Like you can't come on. He's probably got a house too. He's not. Yeah. And he's got the kids as well. Like he's not. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what he did about the kids. I think he was a real bastard to the kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you making that no, up? No, no, no. That's what out. you get. Yeah. <laughs> Just left and right. That's all he's saying. Yeah. That's what you get. That's I what think, you get. That's what you get. I think they never lived up to his standards. Now, like remembering, I read oh, some stuff about him before years like, ago. Um, like, uh, what was his name? Wrote a catcher. Um, Salinger. Salinger. Just, and then he wrote The Glass Family because his family disappointed him so much. Yeah. So he wanted to have like a good... Like, like people that that at least were on his level, yeah. so he made the glass family. Yeah, Dickens literally does pull himself up by the bootstraps, and <laughs> oh, boy. provides this wonderful <laughs> life for his kids, and then he gets pissed at them because they're spoiled. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing because yeah. I bet that happens a well, lot. Well, I mean, I feel like I that, that happens. happens. I feel like that happens in my life. Like you know, like we're pissed off at all the technology and whatnot that the, the, the kids are constantly on. It's like, well, you bought all you're that providing shit for it. them. Yeah. You're providing it. You're providing it. <laughs> and you don't say, I, you know, like you, we should, I should say no more, but it's like, yeah, okay. You know, but, sure. But I heard no this. constantly. So why would I, you know, do that to them? Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a ongoing challenge, but I don't know. Well, I mean, these are the themes that make literature, you know, powerful. Yeah, because right. the, the the human experience has has not. Yeah, I mean, of course, those guys had a, had a had a wheel and a stick, and he was like, "God yeah. damn it, yeah. I had no stick. I just had the wheel, yeah. or the other way around. Probably more. He had the stick and no wheel. But in any case, let me make a footnote. <laughs> Sixty-five thousand British pounds is eighty-two thousand U.S. dollars. That's not bad. So that's more than our salaries. Well, I mean, maybe not the doctors over here in Gladwin, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, senior <laughs> senior career teacher, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Any case, um, final thoughts on uh, Mr. Grubb? I liked it a lot. I'm really glad I read it. Mm -hmm. I think I will read See. it again. And um, I think that if you do read it, which you should, um, resist the comparison to yeah. A Christmas Carol, even though it's irresistible um when it was written it was to be stood on its own uh merit feet that's not a sentence guys i apologize listen right. mm -hmm. yeah it was meant to stand on its own yeah and i think you should treat it as such um but it is nice to see how he embellished on um the themes yeah um to greater effect later on you gotta remember this was in the middle of a novel called the Pickwick Papers. This was just a story in the middle of a novel. It's like the, I mean, it's like uh, the one we did, The Dead, from Dubliners. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You know? I was on that one, yeah. Yeah. yeah that was good. So I brought it up. <laughs> yeah. I got that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, season one, episode five. That's a total guess. But Steel yeah. trap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> total guess. Yeah, I mean, my... my it would have been it would have been episode four, but we had to do it twice. That's why it was. Funny. Oh, do you remember that the <laughs> yeah, snowstorm? I remember that? Jesus Christ, um, that makes me want to go check to make sure this is fucking working properly. Um, but yeah, my my closing thought is is much of the same. I I really I did have to consciously not think about Carol, especially because I watched the Muppet Christmas Carol today. Um, but I think. I think it, it, it stands on its own and I kind of like 
that it's a little bit more brutal. It feels like this was more of a tale that you would hear around the fire mm-hmm. that was because when 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 we first did Carol, I remember you saying, and that was the first time I'd really heard it that like, you know, not only had Christmas sort of air quote fallen out of fashion a little bit, but that it was typically in 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 that sort of you know the the British Isles and stuff especially it was was full of ghost stories and it was mostly ghost stories and 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 all this sort of like creepiness was the norm and so i liked looking at this and thinking oh maybe this is like grandpa's mm-hmm. story of christmas maybe this is like something that was in that seaside town that he visited when he was a kid and some 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 kid told him that when he was when he was there for a holiday or something like that 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 really i don't know that was what stuck with me the most about it, that i really enjoyed it was like oh man i think i'm getting a little time capsule mm-hmm. um in, in a way here is, is, is maybe this was something that parts of it were passed down and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I like the historical aspect of it quite a bit. Um, and I thought it was a pretty interesting story. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Final thought? Yeah. Um, I would say that what struck me as I was reading this was um, I'm a fan of uh, Neil Gaiman and, and, and his work. And uh, atmospherically and also to some extent in the way that the narrative is structured around like this cavern that lives below the, mm. the cemetery and whatever i was thinking a lot about like uh gaiman's uh novel neverwhere which is there's like oh, this there is this this city that exists below the city of london where all the people who have fallen through the cracks kind of live and exist and um oh, cool. it's, i guess it's, it's more of a novella i mean it's not long um but yeah i was just th- i, I I think that's something that really always struck me about Dickens and always made me interested and a fan of his work is really the way that he creates a setting and a mood and an atmosphere and a time and place that is so immersive. Like, I I felt like I was in that cemetery. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it's about his description. And, I mean, he's just, you know, so talented in that way. But I can see, like, I think his uh legacy in 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 fingerprints uh, you know come to come to bear and so many other folks who i would i know certainly have read him and have taken a nod from how he uh creates in such a talented way that time and place and setting and um i just love reading him around this season because to me there's there's very there are very few writers who do winter you mm. know um and an english winter <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but you know like we live in the in the northeast in the you know um in the american northeast and and like our winters are not british winters but but we have similar characteristics in terms of the weather and the way that you know just atmospherically the way the world is and the foliage too. I feel like that's always a touchstone yeah, in his the too. Frost, the holly and the frost, all that and all stuff. I mean, like things, yeah. you know, I feel that, and um, it's always been something that I've enjoyed uh, about about him. And I think in this story, it comes through, and it, it comes through uh, really well for me, or you know, in, impactfully for me. Yeah, so that's fun. I always wish uh, Upton Sinclair had more character the way Dickens does, because they have such similar things going mm. on, right? Yeah, looking out for the, the lower rung of people. Upton Sinclair's yes. American. 
though. Correct. Right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But you know, to your point, uh, Nick, that that goes to H. G. Wells, it goes to Orwell, it goes to Yeah, I, I mean like the this there was a tradition of, you know, thinking about the proletariat, right? And thinking about the working class and what that does to a body to a soul to a family to like i mean i mean that's, yeah. that's a that's a huge part of 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 his work and and that totally tracks with his autobiography too you know? yeah yeah absolutely his biography i should say nice okay so we are going to talk about oh good old jimbo is it is it pronounced neighbors neighbors yeah the boar jim neighbors i knew you were going to say something says i jim neighbors christmas 1967 franco's got some history with this album i gotta tell you i so the funny thing was like you did you did give us like that preface of um not great right was was sort of your (laughs) sort of your thing i would say character And, and and so so i'm listening to it uh dear listener and and i'm and i'm like i'm like okay i get i get the the kind of like interesting takes on these like this isn't it's it's traditional, but not uh, in a lot of ways. But then Silver Bells, uh, about five tracks in, pops up, and dear listener, when I tell you that when I heard this, when the vocal comes in, I was like, I know exactly what this guy was talking about. Holy it's like shit. fucking Kermit the Frog. <laughs> oh my god, dude! <laughs> when I was first listening to it, I made it through the first four, and I was—I just it was sort of—I wasn't bopping, but I was—I was like, okay, Christmas album. I, you know, I was a a a, 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 a gas station CD guy. You know, so like, if there was like, if it was mm-hmm. White Christmas in the gas station mm-hmm. pile of CDs for four dollars. Nick bought that, and I would throw it in, and and I would mm, that would be yeah. the soundtrack to that year's Bing, Christmas Bing, or whatever. That Bing was doing it. Yeah, whatever it was, or or no name artists that happened to be on the album, and Bing was like the one they paid for. Um, so so it didn't strike me as overtly bad or odd until what you just heard, <laughs> and then I, dude, I lost it. I mm-hmm. I was dying. I was on the floor. I was fucking cracking up. I couldn't believe that it made it through so many channels to to, to be produced, to be like the number, the lyric. I mean, the fucking vocals, the last thing you do. So he got in the booth after these guys had done all this work with the sleigh bells and the, the percussion and all this stuff had been done. No, 67, they're probably doing that. It's all finished. At the same time, I'd imagine. No matter what vocals are last, though, right? Yeah. And he gets in the booth say sidewalk and does that madness yeah. and everybody's like it's no goulet well that's jim and we're gonna let him do jim i don't know so what was jim N- nabors what was his <laughs> what is his deal like why who is he uh, i mean yeah give us a little background he is, on this he guy. Is a, oh i mean you're asking me for more i can give you the wikipedia i mean i i knew him from the andy griffith show watching that on my grandma's black and white tv as a kid and so he yeah. already had uh celebrity by then. celebrity yeah, uh, so, you know, uh, American actor, singer, comedian, widely known for his signature character, Gomer Pyle, you know, who yeah. was kind of an inept, you know, kind of figure in, like, 1950s Americana early television, you know, like, yeah. or whatever. Um, again, like, you know, if I were... Cashing uh, in. They were just cashing I, in. I, I, I could have done more research, but I didn't. 
you know, it's my, quite all right. My <laughs> research, you know, for this album, knowing that was, he's Gomer Pyle, if you know who Gomer Pyle is, yeah, your connection is. I yeah. mean, go look it up. Solid. Watch something. Bumbling private right. in the army. Yeah, right? yeah, you know, just that, that guy. My connection to this album, it's funny because these, you know, uh, I believe the track you played is, I guess, from the 1967 record. It is. Yeah, I so, went. I went as legit as possible. My, yeah. I did not know that Jim Neighbors um, sang <laughs> until. I mean, if we. Attempted. We should call it that. I mean, listen, listen. The man is in off key. Like he's not, you know. Like there's it's a couple not like, tracks where he's hitting some stuff too. Yeah, I mean, I, it almost sounds operatic. He's like the guy that's like the best singer in your family. Like and he'll sing Happy Birthday. Everybody yeah. turns and looks to him, and he'll he'll take the Happy or, Birthday or like or for Christmas. Yeah, you yeah. know, he's got he, yeah. he can really just kill a couple of numbers. Yeah. Yeah, a couple, he's not, he's, couple he's brandies not, in. He's, he's not ready. To, yeah. He's not tone deaf, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. He's he's he, he's better than singing in the shower, but you know, like what I was saying to Daniel earlier was like it, it's just so contrived. It's so it's like when you now you know like I you know, Nick Nick teaches at the same school that I taught at and that I went to at high, for high school. It's it's a performing arts school. It's it's you know, uh, choral and instrumental music, right? And I mean, I sang. You have to for sing. years. Everybody's in concert in choir. I mean, like you know, I, I, it's the things that you're taught not to do. Basically, <laughs> you know, like, like in a traditional you know, music oh, major. You know, it's, it's just like this. Like, oh, it's like just it hurts your feelings. So, yeah. <laughs> but like my first experience with this album was was great for me because uh, for all you Philadelphians listeners out there who you know grew up or were around as teenagers or adults or whatever in the early 2000s and before you remember you know tower records was like a place to go for buying music and i worked and occasionally there, seeing a musician occasionally seeing a musician i mean getting you know like record releases the whole thing so i worked there when i was in college in the early 2000s and you know this dropped uh, jim neighbors dropped a new one in two, <laughs> tw- 20 in 2002 you imagine if it was presented as that? Uh, Jim Neighbors just dropped this. Go new look thing. up the album cover because he is in the tightest. Pinfield is like, I can't lovely, believe he did it. He is in the most beautiful turtleneck. I think it's a white turtleneck, uh, maybe cream, with like the these beautiful tight green pants. I believe green socks and shoes as well. I mean, it, he so he, he looks he, like a Christmas album. He inverts the '67 album because in the '67 one, he's got a white turtleneck, but a green halter topped sweater and then and then white pants and white shoes oh yeah maybe he went green for is the it shoes. is it I, may, or maybe it's no that's it that's the one yeah 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 no never mind that's the cover yeah right so it's so the they same. reissued it maybe they just reissued it i don't know if they remastered it maybe didn't who knows anyway we got a hold of this and part of like working at that store was we got to choose a selection of records that we would play you know like oh, yeah. when you came in yeah and I mean, we're talking things like back in that day, Oral back in the assault. day, like like the Deftones, like White Pony dropped. Mm. Like I mean, there were like some aggra- like pick. the Flaming Lips, um, you know, pick. like Yoshimi versus Robot. Like 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 we would play yeah. some really awesome stuff, but then we would pick some real fucking stinkers like, stuff, dude. <laughs> and mostly it was like, ah, you know what? Oh we, we, so God. Tower Records in oh Philly, we had three God. floors. We had the hip hop floors and R and B, which was the basement. The rock floor was the main floor, and the upstairs was the jazz floor, right? Jazz and classical. And we would like blast this shit on the third floor, and giggle the whole time. Oh, I mean, we just like run around the store, so, dude. So, so because it's this, uh, uh, it was funny because I was, I was literally just like, "Go tell it on the mountain." Oh God! It's oh. right after Silver Bells. So Silver Bells <laughs> is like, 
This is how fucking wacky this <laughs> guy can get. Go tell it. Go tell it, it on the, the mountain. He's almost rapping at First points. First of all, no fucking He's white dude should be singing that fucking definitely. song. Definitely. Also, <laughs> also, no one should be attempting to rap before that's even a genre. Maybe like he, he Jim, was. Oh my did god! Did Jim invent rap, dude? In no <laughs> way am I making that claim. Four different ways since we've been here. <laughs> Nabbers, Nabors, Nabors. That. The fat silver bell. If you listen to anything, <laughs> listen to silver bells, and then it goes right into "Go Tell It on the Mountain." That was one of the best combos of tracks I've I've ever heard in my life. From just this, the humor of the way that he approached it, and nobody went, "My dude, you got to do it again." Like you can't do it that way. I want a little. I want. No, they were like, "This is perfect. This is exactly <laughs> dude, what we want." It was. That's not him. These poor session musicians. Exactly. They had to be looking exactly. at him like, fuck this dude. Do you think this is like a, this is what I was going to ask. Do you think this is like an Eddie Murphy thing? Where like, remember he made that album? What was the record? What, uh, what was the label? Sorry, Daniel, who who produced this? Is it Columbia? I would imagine it was like Columbia or some, uh, someone of that nature. The, uh, he probably had like the fucking. Sony. Sony. He yeah. had the top musician. It's like the, it's like the Jackson 5 in Motown. Like he had probably had like some of the best. <sighs> Session musicians squandered, squandered. like you just squandered, squandered. <laughs> completely <laughs> fucking squandered. If you look at his, uh, you imagine just the basis is sitting there like, like Are you this asshole. I'm about to go right play now. in the village. I'm about to play, go play this. I got a like, bus for the next set. three days. I got miles <laughs> in, the, in the village. I'm gonna go play for him. Like you know, like like some 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 nonsense. And they're like, I got to deal with this asshole. Dude. He's got a lot of albums. That's crazy. Yeah, well, there's a subset of America who listens to some fucked up shit. I mean, the best of Jim Nabor came out, (laughs) and a fifth pronunciation. (laughs) That's so good. No, but you know what's interesting to me? Right off his name. I will tell you, Nick. You're. I I didn't look at the album, and I don't know how it's split across discs or across sides. But it does remind me of um, a Sinatra Christmas album that that I list grew up listening to, and the A side is all secular. And the B side is all like Christian religious stuff, and so I'm sure he was following that same like format where it's like no, no, actually no? he's no, he's so Oh Holy Night, uh, Joy to the World, Oh Little Town of Bethlehem are side B. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. Go tell it on the mountain. Oh, okay. And Oh Come All You Oh Come All You Faithful starts the whole thing. Oh, so never mind. So, so it's, he's it's, mixing, yeah, he's it's mixing it's not, up. He's a checkerboard. Okay. Yeah, no, I okay. yeah, because because that's interesting. Had he I. Here, this, but this makes a, a larger point. What you, you you were thinking it, overthinking it. Yeah, he is not thinking about it at all. He's throwing it all. I Who mean, produced this, is, this shit? This is a someone goulash told, of well, songs. First of all, yeah. someone told him what to do. I mean, <laughs> he's crazy. not producing it. He's not self-producing no, it. So someone just said to him, "Hey Jim, smoked a cigarette." Hey Jim, guess did. what? Yeah. We, we would love for you to do a little like go tell it on the mountain. I'm only half paying attention, to you guys, because I'm looking at his like dude. Oh, his, tell it his on stuff. Go tell it on the mountain is nuts. It's nuts. Like Silver Bells, <laughs> I played for you. That sounded nuts, obviously. But that was just like his inflection and like the what he chose. Like his yeah. Like, like that was performance. Yeah. But go tell it on the mountain. It's it's the whole approach. I'm telling you. Everyone listening to this should just get, go like, get go get fucking get get your best CBD get your yeah. fucking best like medical marijuana and fucking listen. This to is this. fine oh, for like Christmas. Will, like it's 
This is great. This is like perfect for Christmas music. It's good background. Like you can hear the the the, the clinking of the glasses. Yeah. You can you, if you're not listening to it. But if you're critically listening to it, because it was Joseph for the podcast, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You should be. Under I was the like, oh my well, god, you be dude, doing this that. is bananas. <laughs> it was once it got to Silver Bells, it it fall it falls hard after that. I yeah, think yeah. the first four tracks it were were kind of just standard, and then he just did whatever the fuck he wanted. I guess that's what yeah. they they did. They might have, maybe know. that was the approach. Like, just give us four. <laughs> I'm gonna track this All down right. on uh, Discogs in 1989. There's uh, Jim Nobower's album Six pronunciations. called yeah. the sixteen umlaut <laughs> sixteen most requested songs <laughs> by him. That look, whenever you see Jim Nabilar's, <laughs> whenever you see him on the street, people seven. just say, We're up who's to seven. requesting stuff from the Nebula over here? Like that's <laughs> eight. <laughs> that's bananas, dude. And none of them are a Christmas song. Oh god! I, w- I want to say I just want to say oh, that god. I really uh, the one of the things that I appreciate most about this podcast, among many is the critical stance that folks take on the on the on the record part of it i mean the book we we know we're going to take a critical stance we're going to have like you know some informed literary discussion yeah informed uninformed who knows There's something there uh, but you know the record part I, I think when podcasts you know choose a record for discussion a lot of times it's it's just very laudatory it's like you know oh yeah this about it love that about it every episode that i've heard and i haven't heard all of them full disclosure um but heard and definitely participated in there's always like a fun level of of like criticality about it that i really (laughs) this is probably peaking (laughs) and also the most fun (laughs) so (laughs) it's a a shallow sandbox there's not much digging here it's uh oh my god I, I'm I sorry, wonder, I set the bar low. I, yeah. I, I, I truly wonder, though. I really do wonder. I, I just, because I know, you know, you look at these, they're making movies of all these uh, periods of time now that were just so Wild Westian, if you will. Yeah. And I wonder, the dude with his fucking 30 cigarette stubbed out in the ashtray on the, on the board was thinking when he had to click <laughs> and go, nice job. <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, what he really hit he that said? one. Let's like, move what, on. Yeah, I a bit of Nailed vibrato, it. but we're gonna we're gonna we're well, we've ter- all you needed to be out by noon, right? All right, we're gonna just See, gonna I, chug I, along. I think it was different. I think the guy was like, "Into it, this is fucking it." Well, this is. Do you ever see those? This is what made me think of Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Do you ever, my girl, party. Yeah. and he's like, and he's into it, and he's yeah. got the headphones on, and um, what's his name who's producing it? Uh, uh, Rick James mm-hmm. is 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 back at the board, just like like into it, but clearly f- just fucked on coke. And so I wonder, <laughs> hell of a drug. That, yeah, I wonder. Like we're talking about 1967. If the dude was, if if you're in an altered enough state, to your point, if you're like, this is. No, I think my I think my mom would would fucking love this. I think she'd be like, the yeah, gym neighbors are really killing it. What a talent!" Well, there's Do a natural. <laughs> meanwhile, she's seventy six, but 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 also context, she I mean, she most of her life, correct, was was surrounded by very high quality musicians. Yeah, she's a disappointment to me in that way. <laughs> her taste, her taste, her taste. Let's, listen, let's listen guys. I grew up. I grew up listening aspect. to fucking like you know Barry Manilow and and you know like God bless him. But you know like come on, Kenny, Kenny yeah. G. Yeah, it's a natural yeah. progression here, though, right? You got <laughs> yeah. I went straight to death metal. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, it's yeah, You got 1966 Pet Sounds. 
<laughs> and then June 1st, 1967, you get Sgt. Pepper's. Amazing. And uh, oh, this is the Christmas amazing. album that follows that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my grandfather was wow. a fucking jazz He's know, got pianist. A, this is what I'm like, saying. We're playing like, you know, very an avant-garde jazz like musician. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I'm doing art. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. was mad at the Beatles. Like, my grandfather was like, this is Gar. What, are you, what the fuck are you guys listening to? Which, actually, years later, my uncle, who's my mom's younger brother, found, like, had a conversation, who is a classically trained pianist and a jazz musician as well. Like, years later, his father said to him, I was wrong. He's like, so he I never really, li- he's like, yeah. I never really gave them a shot. I, I thought they were, like, just kids and jerks and whatever. And, like, yeah. they, he's like, it's but easy they, they to do that if really you're doing what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, it's, it's generational, whatever. Yeah. I think my grandfather would be like, Jim Neighbors is a fucking clown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if <laughs> like, he didn't, I would be like, what the, uh, yeah. what, what the, where's your head at? Yeah. Is, I mean, that was. I was such an experience, man. I can't. I can't tell. I this put has it been on. the best record talk <laughs> I've been party to. It's so good. I put it on the speaker that is in like the bathroom for like the exhaust fan. There's like a Bluetooth in that, and I put it on that just so people could hear it, like in the milling of the morning. Isabella's uh, screaming. She's dude, like, "What the fuck was, is everybody this?" Everybody was like, "What the fuck?" Like, stop. I what thought is Daddy. This? No. I thought Daddy liked good music. Yeah, I don't understand. Nobody was cool with it. Nobody was cool with it. Feels <laughs> so like I'm. I'm leaving. And this is. <laughs> I've had enough. This well, this is one too many. <laughs> you keep fucking with us, and I fuck. My final you. thought on Jimmy Nabo is uh, <laughs> nine. I'm, I'm glad it exists. <laughs> yeah, and I am oh, going to try to track down no the lesbians. vinyl on Discogs. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's so it's so bad that it's like good again. I, I feel like background music it would work. Yeah, I feel like if you had a holiday party and you put this on, not only would it work, but it's also a, a like a talking point. You know what I mean? Like, if, yes. if you, yeah, if yeah. dude, if fucking Go Talent on the Mountain came on, and <laughs> and a, a a a patron of your party, like, or you see the ear perk up, and and they're like, woo, and they and they go next, they get closer to the speaker, and you just see them there, like, you know, yeah, sipping you know on their cocktail. Not to invite next year, and and one, <laughs> but also, if you're if you're intrigued by that, I do want to have a conversation with you. Like, That's true. let's talk about yeah. it because this is this is bananas. Yeah, no, I I I absolutely agree. It. If for no other reason it exists than to be a conversation piece, I, I I'm all for it. Especially Gomer Pyle. Then you drop that knowledge, and people are yeah. like, if they know who he is, it's yeah, it's fucking hell of a pay, hell of a pick. How can you tie this into the novel though? Let's see. Stretch. I wish Goblin would fucking kick kick Jim Neighbors a lot of times on his shoulders. I I think maybe they did. This was his repentance. Gomer Pyle and Gabriel He's singing a lot of religious are, are stuff. really uh, opposite characters yeah. that that have just a, 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 a maybe a through line of ignorance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, because you have to be so confidently ignorant to get into the booth and think that was awesome. <laughs> Do you know? Like you have. to. You know be. what? I'm, I'm. I think you're giving him a little bit too much of a hard time. You got to think really? about in the '60s. But he's yeah. not. A, I mean, like, of course, there's we are. a sound. We're, like we're being. Yeah. Yeah, I, we're 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 being a little dramatic, but. Also, like, and he's I can't dead, sing, Nick. I he's can't, dead. I can't. Sing like him. You're oh, laughing at don't a dead start man. with that bullshit. I can't, I, can't, <laughs> I can't sing like him. I'll I'll say that first off, straight away. I can't sing like him. He he's got some technical skill at, at certain points, but to Franco's point, he's also doing almost everything you shouldn't. Uh, if you're doing, if you're taking these fucking songs, but we've all to, been we've all been in studios. Know, we've all been with engineers. I've never really been with a producer, but 
they're not <laughs> going to tell you you're, you're garbage. I mean, you're, you're there to make right. a record, and right. you're going to be like, yeah. listen, we're going to get Gomer the best pile, steak we can. And you know you're pushing, like, you're going to get X copies pushed just because Gomer Pyle is the name. Dude, this is like Tom Hanks releasing his collection of short stories. Right, like, yeah, like you, you they're fine. Dude, I bought the I bought the they're that thing fine. you do uh, album Tom when that Hanks came out. Tom has a collection of short stories, yeah, like he, that he wrote. Yeah, yeah. And like they're hmm. fine. He gets published in New Yorker. He has a one story. Really? Like they're serviceable. No, 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 for real. When you say he fine, should not like, have a fucking as, one. Story. As authors, like you know, no, it's it's they're 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 solid. No, they're fine. I didn't read them. I know where fine falls on the scale. So here's fine, fine. A Daniel. I'll give you a scale. A Daniel Fine. Oh yeah, give me a Daniel Fine. So so a a Daniel Fine is like serviceable for a a a lesser mid tier magazine, right? Like at the risk of like like, Daniel getting canceled on this podcast. (laughs) Who would be another fine for you? Well, he's he's just like I see why it got published, and I'm glad it's in this magazine because that makes Mm. sense. When he's saying it's fine and it got published in the New Yorker, did the New Yorker have any business publishing it? No, no. Okay, I don't right. think so. Yeah. not from what it's because it's it's because it's him. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, you're obviously gonna read it. I mean, I did. How could but... I, I mean, <laughs> it's true. Did it come out already? Because I do. Didn't even exist. I'm a subscriber and I didn't notice the collection of short stories. No, like the Tom Tom Hanks the 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 single story that came out in one of the issues. In that the was New years York. ago. Years ago now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I well, definitely it's like, have called, it. like the astronaut or something like that. I forget. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't know. Right, he probably wrote it after he did like Apollo thirteen or something. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. I like Tom even... Hanks. I like, like, oh, I love, oh, I love I the man. He's, right. you know, he's, yeah. he's he's a he's a national treasure. But he uh, but he's uh, but he's not a fucking author. I mean, he's you know. He's well, like, and here's <laughs> the thing. So, <laughs> so my field is already overcrowded. I don't need. Yeah. I don't need Tom Hanks. Yeah, like when it he did like that thing you do. Like I didn't see him as a fucking record producer or something. So, so, but I bought. I just they so they just released on vinyl that thing you do. The the soundtrack, it's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. Well, again, it's about the personnel, right? Right. Well, yeah, that a, that is still to this day the number one um, song uh, made for a movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's the the I mean, arguably, obviously, people have a lot of thoughts on that, but it's the best song made for a movie. That thing you do, it, enca- it encapsulates that whole era that it's in. In any case, mm-hmm. now we're talking about that thing you do that. when we yeah. should Sorry. be talking about. We should probably talk about the beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is the beer? So, I mean, the marquee drink. Oh right, was the peppermint vodka was was the peppermint espresso. Uh, espresso with vodka martini, which was delicious. Strongly suggest um, because and you tried it. Yes, I did. I mean, it's just it delicious. It's yeah. smooth. It's really good. Um, so very tasty. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It wasn't even a like name brand espresso. It was a Target brand peppermint espresso. That's a name. So there you go. Um, that was really good. We are also drinking some other things. And uh, one of my all-time favorites that I haven't seen for two years, I've tried to find these for two years now, is um, uh, Spotzel Brewery. This is a Texan brewery. Uh, from Shiner, Texas, their Shiner Holiday Cheer, which is an ale brewed with peaches and pecans. Uh, it is it is so goddamn good. And this, along with the Sierra Nevada Celebration, have become standbys for me. Yeah. As the, these are my winter beers. Uh, Jillian, um, my did you partner, do it this year? drinks the Mad Elf. She, did you do the, uh, the Did you do the traditional beer this year? That you get every year the, uh, the Sierra Nevada. The, yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, I had a few of those. I haven't picked up my case yet, though, with the the, yes. the date on yeah, it. So yeah, yeah. I haven't done that yet. I have one left from last year. Nice. Yeah, we always try to save 
Well, oh, yeah, you did. guys yep. are religious about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're, we're a little upset this year. Um, Anchor Brewing from uh, San Francisco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They got mm-hmm. bought a few years back by some bigger Japanese Yeah, brewery. that's why they're in all these uh, stadiums and stuff now, I've yeah. noticed. Yeah. But they're stopping their, um, oh, their winter release. Say it ain't so. I think they're doing, this is the last year they're doing it because it was already started. No shit. And that's it. They just feel like it's not marketable. Like they call it. Dude, the, like they're they're scaling back Anchor like big time, which is kind of dumb. Weird. Instead of. I think it's a lot of summer drinkers and not winter drinkers. Is that no, I don't know. They said like the distribution. It's too expensive point. to make and distribution, but it's like you just got your your conglomerate. You're like you're a massive yeah. thing. Expand then. Yeah. Are they are they like InBev or are they, are they like part of the monster? Or are um, they, are they I'm not sure exactly. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, that was our favorite one we always would yeah. try to find the anchor because it was always different every yep. year just like the um uh the sierra nevada yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um and you let it go for a year and it's a little bit different then too it mellows out a little yeah bit. that's a shame yeah so it is a real shame i'm not gonna get it but i'm glad i have the shiner holiday uh peaches and pecan thing i guess it's fine i really like it i have a question about this actually so shiner is is that a style of beer like how does this relate to like it's shiner the, bach like is, is there, no, so it's the it's the city in Texas that it's brewed in. Oh. Shiner, Texas is where it's from. Interesting. Yeah, and so that's why... Uh, uh, oh, this isn't Shiner Box Christmas? No. No, this is the Shiner Cheer. Shiner Bach is its own brewery, right? Wait, so Spotsel, Spotsel Brewery is... Spotsel Brewery Oh, but brewery. Spotsel Brewery does Shiner Bach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Shiner's just the city that they're I brewing in. That. Okay, so the same oh. brewery. And yeah, I same brewery. From, I didn't know it was from Texas. It's from Texas, I always yeah. thought Shiner was the brewery, not... Yes. Spots. Same. Spots. Yeah. Spots yeah. is the yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I. I absolutely love this one. I think it's. I think it's very. Yeah. Here, here's my it's, favorite. It's, I mean, it's fruit heavy. The, pe- the peaches is, yeah. are. It's. Yeah. It. Um. My favorite, and I've mentioned this a number of times, was Michelob used to have one, that was uh, a, sort of a darker uh, porter like beer with um, vanilla, as the through, mm. and it was. It was so got like. Do you ever get one of those uh, uh, bourbon casts? Like, um, yeah, I know what you mean. You know, Goose Island. Yeah. It's infused. Goose Island. Yeah, the vanilla one that came yeah. out a few years back. Um, it was it was kind of like that, and it was it was a Michelob, and it had a snowman with these neon green gloves, and that was my oh my god, that was my holy grail of winter beers. It was so good. It was a bourbon mm. vanilla, I, I think porter. I'm gonna call you. The, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you the sweetness a little bit because. <laughs> Sweet, a little sweet. And it, no, but being an homage, yeah. you know, yeah. like um, I'm getting a sense for your palate. Yeah, I guess the time. A sweet on. tooth. Yeah, I, oh, I, yeah, I got a big time sweet tooth. Yeah, especially in the holidays. Why not? I think in the in the holidays it ramps up because I also know that I have to I have to dial it down um, because I'll get a headache. It's just too much sweet. Yes. in a beer will give yeah, me a man, fucking sugar, wicked headache. The sugar next day. and liquor will. Yeah, it will get you. Um, but no, I I. I do. I, I like to have, you know what's interesting for the season? I like, this was new. My uncle turned me on to this. And I think I like, I like it's something new to introduce people to. You go, hey, have you had one of these? Have you had one of these? I think I like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. My final thought on the Shiner of Holiday Cheer beer is it's, um, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You could uh well, there we are. They'll there go down are. with a nice That's a classic Daniel response. Nice Tommy Hanks 
Yeah. Work a short fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the both both serviceable. Serviceable. If you had read Tom Hanks story, would you have written do better? Because that's a mark of that's a Daniel mark right there. Mm. Would you have got eh, do better? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. A little purple. A little purple. Oh, yeah. Pr- yeah. There you go. Yeah, the pros. It happens. I mean, you could argue that Charles. Uh, <laughs> it does. You could argue that Charles Dickens is is purple, but he does it like in a. I think about it's stylistic. It's I not. Am, yeah. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. And who are his contemporaries yeah. at that time? And know, I, like, oh, I imagine, I imagine that Tom Hanks's editor was in the same conundrum that Bill Nebuars. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Producer. Was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Jim. His name was Jim. I'm sorry, Jim. You actually pronounced his first name wrong. (laughs) Last name was actually perfect from what I've read online. Oh, there he is. Jim. Gomer Pyle, Jim Neighbors. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I imagine they were a little bit in the same boat. They're like, yeah, Tom, you're doing great. Yeah, Jim, you're fucking killing it. (laughs) Let's keep it going. It's going to sell. Mm -hmm. You're paying paying all these musicians. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely what he was thinking. Cool. 100%. Do we have a rating system? We do. Um, so uh, there wasn't a good way to bring this up um, because I didn't think of it until after the fact. Okay. So that was the reason. That was the, the reason I didn't bring it up earlier when we were talking about the book. Yeah. Uh, the story from the book. Dickens. Uh, in his uh, greatest work, I think a lot of people agree, uh, Great Expectations. Wouldn't you agree that's his best work? I'll agree. Great Expectations. For the purposes of the cast right now, right. yeah. Wouldn't you agree too, Franco? Um, I love Great ex- Expectations. Are you an okay, and there Twistman? we go. I love no, Great no, Expectations. No. Um, he, he agrees. Tell that starts on Christmas Eve. Oh, right. In a graveyard. Right. That's true. Wow. So this is Nicely why, done. this is my rating system here. Okay. Um, Dickens in a graveyard? Dickens in a graveyard. How many Dickens in a graveyard are we going to look at? You finally got it. Yeah. Eight Dickens in a graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I give... <laughs> No, what? How many is it, really? Uh, give me a fucking chance, oh, Jesus, Jesus I Christ! Um, I give uh, the goblins steal a sexton. Yeah, twelve out of twelve Dickens a Dickensing in a graveyard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Dickens a Dickensing. Yeah, that's good. I give um, James <laughs> Nablars. <laughs> I think we're up to ten, maybe yeah, eleven. Uh, yeah, what knows? What's Baker's the, dozen for me, Chip. What's the what's the what's the planet in Star Wars? Not Naboo, Jim Naboo. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I right. was about to be like Hoth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what you were getting. <laughs> um, I give I give the that album. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy does it again. I give it um, seven out of One twelve. More time with feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I give it seven out of twelve. Dickinson, Dickens, a Dickensinging yeah. in a graveyard. The apostrophe. Um, it is that is a that's a Christmas album. You're just gonna put it on, yeah. and it's just it's joyful. If you listen to it and you get angry, like you need yeah, to get gobbled. No, yeah, you should be joyful. About it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, there's it's nothing, more funny than it's. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, no, angering. It's not, yeah. it's not gonna make me angry. And the Shiner holiday cheer. I'll give it. Um, I don't know, a solid six out of twelve. Like it's fine. That's a good rating though. It's fine. Yeah, that's it's not rate. bad. I mean, it's a low ABV. It's a, yeah, it's just meant to be maybe a seven consumed in mass. Too. Seven. You're supposed to have about seven. Bumping it up to a seven. Nice. I like that. Dickens, a dick a Dickensinging. That's a tough thing to say. In a graveyard on Christmas Eve. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
that's yeah. my that's my ratings. Nice. You want to go? You want me to go? Up to you. I'm going to go again. The, uh, the, I want uh, the last word. You go. The story of the goblins who <laughs> stole a sexton. No, no. Story of the goblins who stole a sexton is uh, I would, I would, I'm going to knock it one. I'm going to say 11 out of 12. Dickens a Dickensing in a graveyard. Uh, is it at midnight on Christmas Eve or just on Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve. Just on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. Uh, and the only reason I, I, I say that- It was dusk when he entered the graveyard. It's because, um, yeah, you know, I think it was a little underdeveloped. That's all. That's yeah, all. but in context, it was a tale within a tale. That's true. Oh, that's true. I keep forgetting papers, the context man. of that because I, re- I read this and not the larger work. Yeah. Yeah, 11.5. And uh, <laughs> for uh, good old Nibia. I am going to say uh, Christmas by Jim Nibio is a solid seven out of a dozen Dickinson, Dickens, Dickinson. Wow, that is it's tough, right? Dickens, Dickensing? Yeah, it's what it should be, right? In a graveyard at, Christmas in a graveyard Eve. on Christmas Eve. Yeah. yeah. Why do I, I'm stuck on midnight. And um, my uh, uh, peppermint espresso martini I'm going to give a solid 10 out of 12 Dickens Dickensing in a graveyard on Christmas Eve. Um, it was really surprisingly delightful. And a lot of those flavored coffees that are like the Target brand are like serviceable to tie it in, mm-hmm. but not great. That one was really good. And you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it was weird. Um, weirdly good. And so that is that's my take. A word. Uh, so, <laughs> in terms of the the uh, short story, uh, the sexton and what's the goblins, the story of the goblins who stole a sexton. Stole a sexton. Yep. Um, so yeah. I I'm I will I love great expectations. Um, I will say that my favorite novel of Dickens is actually Hard Times, which is kind of a a, a little bit of a. It was different that it's a shortest novel. There are no scenes in London. It really focuses on like utilitarianism, whatever. Anyway, um, it doesn't take place at Ridgemont High either. Which yeah, <laughs> uh, give it a, give it a try. It's if the you worst hard times. If you, it, it, seriously, if you haven't read Hard Times, it's it's good. There's a there's a fucking school. I'm, if my memory serves, there's a schoolmaster in yeah. it that is a fucking sadist. Yep. Um, but uh, and maybe that's why it resonated with me. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that I. I can only imagine what a, what a challenge it is to write a short story because, you know, like, Nick, like you said, you know, you felt like it was underdeveloped, whatever, um, which I have, I'm not a writer, you know, so I don't have any stake in that game. Um, but uh, I felt like it's it, it was really well crafted in the space that it is. So I would give it an eight. Out of twelve, uh, Dickens Dickensing in, in Dickensonian in a whatever. Being Dickensian, Dickensing around and announcing you know, whatever around a graveyard, um, and uh, the uh, neighbor Nabor's album. Um, yeah, I have to give that a, a solid seven because uh, it's just so much fun to uh, make fun of. And uh, the drinks tonight were all wonderful, and so uh, you know, solid eight out of twelve for for almost everything, and uh, just had a great time. 
Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. So solid. Yeah, that was a blast. That's I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I enjoy all this stuff. That was so good. And, dear listener, we wish you a wonderful, wonderful season. And I hope that Dickens and our aim to remind us that we don't have to just be kind during these few weeks uh, resonates throughout the rest of the year because otherwise things are going to fall apart really rapidly. And uh, I think a lot of these things that we're being drawn to right now, we're being drawn to with purpose because of what's happening beyond uh, the, uh, the humor, the satire, the parody, and all this nonsense that we're inundated with. Um, is is becoming very 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 dark and very very real on the the rim of reality, and I think uh, something like this is is necessary and being brought back for a reason because we need to remember it. Yeah, yeah. that's that's really well said. It's a shame that um, only our running friend is gonna hear that. Yeah, we're in the last few minutes. There's no, yeah. <laughs> there's no way. Yeah. Well, I hope that the trails treat you well and may no root jut upon your foot. <laughs> We're talking about Eric Weingarten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hi, Eric. <laughs> yeah. Keep on running, buddy. May your face not meet bark in the next <laughs> few minutes. <laughs> may your face not meet bark. May your face not meet bark. Hey! May <laughs> your face not meet bark. <laughs> hmm. Excellent. And continue to... Um, to listen to this if you find it entertaining. We love you. Good night. Good night. Wonderful yeah. to see you. God bless and us. thank Happy you holidays. very much, Franco, for joining us on oh, this. Oh, always a pleasure. Annual holiday cast. See love you next it. year. Yep. Thank Not you. a day before. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Cheers.